As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two! planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth to protect my cousin. But my pod got knocked off course, and by the time I got here, my cousin had already grown up and become Superman. And so I hid my powers, until recently when an accident forced me to reveal myself to the world. To most people, I'm an assistant at CatCo Worldwide Media. But in secret, I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. Hello and welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. I am one of your regular co-hosts, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, and I am joined as always by my stalwart companion, Scott 2.0, Scott McGregor. Ooh, I don't know if I've ever been stalwart before. That's cool. You're stalwart on the show. All right, that works. That, actually, I'd probably have to Google that to see what that means exactly, see if it's a compliment or an insult. Okay, I'll take it. Take your word for it. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're going to continue our, our special coverage of Supergirl Season 1 um, just because I'm really enjoying watching it again. And a uh, little, little Supergirl news, actually a couple things. Um, I now have to pull up that other page again because I X'd out of it to do this show. Dumbass. <laughs> but I knew I wanted to read it from uh, io9.com here. Um, apparently, uh, Supergirl, uh, she just started its second season, um, just started up again, or first season on the CW, if you want to count it that way, I guess, um, with the appearance of Superman himself. Um, and uh, we both watched it, and I, I, as of the recording of this, uh, it happened last night. <laughs> probably have this episode out later in the week. Uh, but I just um, I just wanted to maybe chat a little with you about it and just get oh, yeah. your, imp- your impressions on the second season. And I just, there was so much feels in this friggin' episode that, I, you know, my heart grew three times that day. <laughs> um, the, seriously lump in the throat stuff with the uh, the addition of Superman and not to take anything away from Supergirl her show's still awesome but just seeing a TV Superman again and one that was so obviously molded in this is basically Superman 78 universe they even, oh my god, the easter eggs in this, we should almost not spoil them you know, until we do the actual <laughs> podcast on them, but yeah, it definitely harkened back uh, to pull a lot of stuff from Superman '78, but it also did its own thing. Um, it was it was a nice uh, a nice kickoff. It was about to, I, I understand why Superman didn't show up in the first season, and I, I 
I didn't understand why people complained about it so much. The fact that they're willing to play with that a little bit now is great. Uh, and bringing him in actually um, opened up opens up some interesting doors that I, I, I won't spoil. Uh, but it was definitely very entertaining. Yeah. And I uh, look forward to any other Superman goodness they decide to put into the series. But I, I don't feel like the show needs to rely on him to, to sell the show. So now, my understanding, I think it's like just a couple episodes and done. Um, and yeah, and I don't expect them to let him overstay his welcome because that would just kind of take away from the whole point of the show. Yeah. And unless you're going to make it the Superman Supergirl adventure hour, which I'd be all kinds of okay with. I'd be down for that too. <laughs> Apparently it broke an eight year old ratings record for the CW. Well, that's what happens when you have a network show come over to a smaller network. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't hurt. And now CBS might be, you know, it's, hey, we wouldn't get those numbers when either of Yeah, over well, it, it wasn't doing <laughs> CBS numbers. Right, Constantine yeah. wasn't doing NBC yeah. numbers. Um, you know, the, the numbers that Constantine was getting, any CW show would have killed for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh, yeah. it's just one of those things. It's, uh, you know, just kind of fitting... Fit it in where it belongs and see what happens. I, I think maybe the the big three networks maybe have to start lowering their expectations a little bit. I haven't really everything I watch on TV is on a cable channel. You know, I, I don't think I've ingested a a big three network show in ages that wasn't a superhero show. <laughs> so I think maybe they should look at it well, as. That's... Well, that's the thing. If yeah, it's all bottom the, line. If you're one of the big three networks, you're yeah. not looking for a niche market share. You're looking for the largest possible right. market share. Those nerds are loyal, man. That you know that that's something that I, I think a show like this and you know, the superhero shows would potentially have less diminishing returns than some others. But hey, what do I know? That's not what I do for a living. I do this for a living. So um, yeah, but let me see if it had a number of. Just over 3 million viewers, apparently. Um, most watched episode of TV in the show's 8 p.m. slot, okay, since a 2000 episode of Gossip Girl, with just over 3 million viewers. So, hey, well hey. done, Supergirl, Superman. You've done it again. Yes, um, that's that bodes well. <laughs> so I, th that's kind of the reason I decided we'd do another episode of this, because I... I, I We'll get to back to the uh, the Agents of Shield and Flash stuff for you soon, I promise. And but I, I just kind of want to knock this out as quickly as possible so we can almost catch up to the second season and start talking <laughs> about right. that. Too. It shouldn't be too hard. No. Okay. Uh, well, all right then. We won't. Uh, can you folks tell I'm enjoying this show? Yeah. yeah, we won't beat around the bush anymore. <laughs> then. Um, so uh, we're going to cover episodes three and four of Supergirl tonight. Episode three was entitled Fight or Flight. And um, let's kick into this uh, synopsis. Uh, we are picking up immediately from the previous episode. Cat uh, is interviewing Supergirl, and she's asking some questions that only Cat could ask yeah. uh, about uh, the timing of her appearance and her potential relationship to Superman and Kara being the naive and honest person that she is, accidentally reveals that she is indeed Super, Superman's cousin. And this news uh, does filter out into the media the next day. Kat does write an expose on Supergirl, painting her as having all of the stereotypical negative traits of a millennial. <laughs> Alex isn't happy about that. Neither is uh, Director Henshaw. 
And Alex is also not happy when she discovers that Wynne and James know that Kara is Supergirl. While assisting in a major accident, Supergirl is attacked by Reactron. Uh, This is a deep pull (laughs) DC character, too. Uh, In this version, he's a disfigured man in a nuclear-powered armor suit. Kara manages to damage the armor, but he does escape. The DEO uh, refuses to act because he's not an extraterrestrial threat. Uh, back at CACO Worldwide, Wynn reveals that he and James have built a high-tech lab in a disused office for them to use as a base of operations. The Office of Solitude. Yes. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> She's never really sol- solitary in that, there, though. That's so, true. Uh, we do cut across uh, town at National City to Lord Technology Labs. And Maxwell Lord is overseeing his new revolutionary uh, monorail train when Reactron storms in looking for someone who can repair his suit. Maxwell offers him a place – offers himself in, uh, instead of a scientist that Reactron is you know, bullying. And Reactron, Reactron takes him hostage. Uh, Kara and the DEO discover that Reactron is Ben Krull. He worked as a nuclear. worked at a nuclear reactor where Superman prevented the reactor from melting down, saving nearly everyone inside, except for Reactron's wife. He blames Superman for her death, and he creates the Reactron armor in order to take revenge, targeting Supergirl to hurt Superman. The DEO does find Reactron's hideout, and Kara races there. Maxwell Lord has repaired Reactron's armor, and he fights Supergirl. That's Reactron fighting or not, Max Lord. He does overpower her, but she is saved by Superman, who we uh, really don't see a full-on view of. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> when she recovers... Boots and uh, bottom of the cates. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. Um, when she recovers, Kara is angry that uh, James called in Clark to help her, and she asked uh, James to leave. Back at the DEO headquarters, Hank's eyes glow red, and he catches Alex using DEO information to help Kara, and he agrees to secretly help out. At the magazine launch party with Supergirl as the cover feature of Catco magazine, Maxwell Lord tries to get Cat to talk about Supergirl without any success. Kara shares a dance with him. Uh, sorry, Kara shares a dance with Wynn, and uh, James cuts in to patch things up. But before they can finish the conversation. Reactron breaks in, searching for Supergirl. Kara stops him, saving Maxwell and Wynn, while James diverts Reactron's attention. Kara learns from Alex that removing Reactron's power core will render him powerless, but it will melt down dangerously unless it's encased in lead. Kara saves James, then fights Reactron, and extracts the power core with with her hand. Um, She's... Uh, finds a lead uh, bust in the lobby of the uh, place where they're fighting. She melts it down and covers her hand uh, in it. Smart thinking. Afterwards, Kara thanks Alex and uh, Hank for their help. Back at her apartment, Kara and Alex make up, with Alex suggesting that Kara ask James out. Uh, but when she goes to the office, Kara sees Lucy Lane, James' ex's, James's ex-fiancé, who arrived to talk to him. Kara overhears the conversation, leading her to believe that Lucy wants to get back with James. While Kara is upset about this, uh, she even kind of brushes off Wynn, she does receive a texted apology from Clark. Alex also reads the article on Supergirl, telling Kara that Kat was impressed before she took off to answer a siren's sound. Uh, So we get a little more um, Supergirl kind of building up her own mythology in this episode. Um showing that she does kind of want to 
stand on her own without <laughs> without Clark having to intervene, which does sound kind of sound like a. Um, I thought a she was a little whiny about it, but a pre- it's kind of you can you can tell from the showrunner's point of view it's a preemptive reaction to saying, "Well, how come Superman just doesn't show up every time?" Because the name of the show is called Supergirl, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, not that you really needed to explain it, but it it is a nice enough um, thing to throw in its system. Just in case you forgot, Superman does exist in this world, and yeah. he is out there. Yeah. Um, and we get a little more mystery in terms of uh, who this Hank Henshaw is with his eyes glowing red. Mm. Is he an alien? Is he a robot? Is he a cyborg? We don't know. Um, well, we know because we've watched it, but you don't know unless you've watched it. And it's um, it's a pretty pretty standard one-and-done type episode. Um, and, again, that's the, you know, the serial nature of network TV. But it's... Uh, it's a perfectly fun episode. Uh, there's, you know, I really can't find too much to complain about. I'm not one of the people that's complaining that Superman wasn't right a, a larger focus, but it makes sense if you're a Reactron and you haven't been able to. You and Superman have battled to a standstill several times. You know, maybe you go after uh, Supergirl now that you know that she's family, mm-hmm. and just to try to you know twist that knife a little bit. I mean, the, I it, guess the whole point is that the Superman himself had never been able to actually bring him in, but Kara was the one that was able to do it finally, sort of, with his help. But or was that the next episode? No, that was this one. No, that was this one. Yeah. She actually does it with the help of Alex and uh, Hank. Yeah, helping out is really what it is. Uh, so it's. Um, it's a nice little episode. It's you know you got to have these kinds of episodes, you know, what that aren't always focused on uh, the major narrative thrust of the show, and this one is one of those episodes that accomplishes that. Some little uh, moments I, I liked in it that were kind of cute. I, I actually think it's very cute that she texts back and forth messages with Clark. I thought that was a neat way of tying. Yeah, it, well, it, it makes allows sense. Him to have, for... It allows him to have a presence without mm-hmm. having to be there and doing Skype and like, oh, here's this actor that we're casting as Superman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who really video Skypes together anyway that's like family and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I, I still like just the text message stuff. But, um, the other thing was uh, Maxwell Lord, or I call him not Tom Cruise, or Bargain Basement Tom Cruise, because he's definitely putting off like a Tom Cruise vibe, sort of. He was in the Twilight movies. <laughs> what do you want, man? Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, Don't ask me how I know that. That's right. He's the uh, the elder Cullen there. I, I, I'll go on record. I've seen them all because I'm an idiot completist. I watched the first one, and it's like, wow, this is really bad. I have to see how bad the rest of them can get. I tried watching the first one with Maureen, and I, the first 15 minutes of it, all I was doing was MST3King it, and she's like, you're clearly not enjoying this. I'm like, this is absolutely hard. So we turned it off. Yeah. I I, I plead. I watched the, the first one came out when I was still married, and so I was in a different mindset of insanity back then anyway. So uh, I'll blame it on that. But, yeah, I'm a completist. I watched all of them, and, and yeah, they got progressively, you know, so bad they were almost good type thing but why the fuck are we talking about twilight yeah but wow i almost wish i didn't remember that because now i'm gonna think about that every time i see him on screen (laughs) (laughs) i I actually like i actually like maxwell on this show oh i do too it's just uh, he said for some reason he just screamed tom cruise to me and the guy in in uh in twilight did too so obviously that makes sense but but we got a little insight into him that uh 
when he's dancing with Kat, she says something to the effect of like, oh, you've always talked big, uh, Max, but if I remember correctly, that's the only big thing about you or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. ooh, Max has a small PP apparently, but oh no, he compensates for his technology or with his technology. Um, yeah, other than that, a pretty solid episode. Uh, the fights are still good. Effects are still good. Um, deepening mysteries over, you know, Mr. Henshaw and, uh, and, and, and sisterly love time. Um, you know, it gets a little cheesy sometimes, but the, but the scenes between Alex and, and Supergirl, it kind of becomes a thing throughout the, the season. Um, several episodes end with them eating something on a couch together, you know, and, uh, doing the, the sister and Netflix thing. <laughs> and I think this one, she leaves and says something like, don't watch Homeland without me. Yeah, this is already past the point that Homeland was any good, though. <laughs> no, never watched it, but it was uh, interesting to hear them reference a show that's not an NB or a CBS show on a CBS show. So that was interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they're um, they're simple episodes, a lot of them, and and that's, these go quick, luckily. So that's kind of a good thing. I actually only managed to squeeze less than four pages out of my synopsis tonight, which has got to be a record for me. <laughs> and there was really no other interesting trivia in this one. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's all just, uh, yeah, we, we delve into some uh, deeper mysteries in this next one, actually, which, if you're done, I'll, I'll kick right into it. Go for it. Um... You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Season 1, Episode 4 is called Live Wire. Uh, and the episode opens with a random alien getting loose in the DEO. And Supergirl is dealing with it as uh, Alex is calling her to remind her that she needs to be somewhere. And Kara's just like, just a minute, little occupied right now. Kara takes down the alien and flies home. Um, Alex is nervous about something, and we learn that it's Mom coming to visit. And Mom is, of course, the original Supergirl. Well, not the original, but the one in the movie way back when. That us old farts remember. Uh, Helen Slater herself. Was getting looking good for her age, I have to say, Helen. Yeah, not yeah. too shabby. Uh, which is pretty much my age, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. No ageism here. Uh, Helen can still get it with me. Alex is surprised how uh, not mad she is that Kara revealed herself, and uh, then we meet radio host Leslie Willis, who is uh, doing her. Best shock jock show, who and has it out for Supergirl apparently, and and proceeds to insult her pretty badly, and give us a little more adult themed talk than usual on the show. We were talking a couple our last episode, uh, last Supergirl show that we uh, you know it started out with a couple randy comments that you wouldn't necessarily want like an eight year old to listen to, and this one gets a little up there too. 
Well, and, it's her function to be shocking. Yeah, sure. But uh, she, she ponders about uh, certain aspects of Supergirl's sexuality. You know, does she have tentacles down there? Does it even work the same way? Um, which Valid points. Uh, valid points. Sure, I, I would be wondering And if you're myself. an eight-year-old kid, you're really not going to... That reference is going to go over no, your head No, you anyway. might think you have tentacles down there anyway at eight years old. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on down there at eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what the hell was going on down there. <laughs> uh, and we are treated to various character reactions uh, to the show as it goes on. Kara is telling Wynn about uh, Foster Mom, and they talk about Thanksgiving plans, and Kara invites him to dinner because he has nowhere to go. Dad's in the clink, which Kara doesn't know yet. Cat is a uh, Friendsgiving, of course, she she calls it, if, if, you know, if she hasn't beaten poor Wynn's heart to a pulp enough yet already, she calls it Friendsgiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kat is confronting Leslie, who is her employee, and uh, she's raking her over the coals about what she's saying about Supergirl. Um, she's very defensive about you know the superhero she branded. <laughs> she could adopt her if she if she could. She says, um, "Kara is eavesdropping," which she does a, a lot for a superhero. I just I just gotta throw that out there. The super <laughs> eavesdropping is a little creepy, Kara. It's for the greater good. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of the best used droppings uh, she did, I think, was in the first episode, and she overhears Cat, uh, you know, saying something to the effect of, "That's the last time I go drinking with Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg." I, I, <laughs> damn near shit my pants. Some yeah. of Cat's offhand dry comments are oh, hilarious. Yeah. They are, man. She really is the best character. Leslie gets angry that Cat is trying to censor her content, and you know, she's basically telling her, "Don't." gripe about Supergirl anymore. And so Kat uh, can't fire her because of contract reasons. You know, it cost a lot to buy her out, just actually how shit can work in the media. So she transfers her to Traffic Copter, um, which is something a real prick of a CEO would possibly do to one of their media people. Kara is picking up some uh, takeout, and James is there, and she invites him to Friendsgiving as well. But he has plans with Lucy Lane, of course. Alex is still stressing about her mom, and Kara suggests that she comes out, too, and tells her about the DEO. Sisterly banter, etc., etc. A lot of sisterly and mom banter in this one. Um, I was a little bored by some of it, honestly, but that's just because I have no frame of reference for that stuff. No, we're, we're adult men. Yeah, you know, so forgive us, ladies, if, if the... the, the you know, women talking scenes don't always thrill us, but it's not that it doesn't thrill us. We love the ladies, but we just don't understand y'all a lot sometimes. Just put yourself <laughs> in their vagina. I mean, their shoes for yeah, a moment. No, no, no. No un, unauthorized uh, entries to vaginas anymore in this in this world. And not even talking about it, Donald Trump, you bad boy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I read too much news. Leslie is up in the copter on a stormy night, and it's Supergirl to the rescue, because the super people love rescuing helicopters. She saves the pilot and ultimately Leslie, but when she grabs her hand, Kara is struck by lightning, which passes through her and zaps Leslie, which turns her hair silver. And Kara and Kat are visiting her in the hospital. She appears to be in a coma. And Kat is obviously complaining about having to, you know, go and rub elbows with the unwashed folk. You know, I'm kidding. She's not quite that bad, but she's close sometimes. Uh, but when Kara leaves before Kat leaves, she actually kind of, you know, you can see a little empathy there, and, and she's actually concerned because she does kind of feel responsible in a way. Um, 
obviously she's the one that put her in the helicopter. Uh, and she just tells her, come on, you know, you're, you, you, we both know you're stronger than a bolt of lightning. You know, get up and, and deal with this. The women leave and a crackly, sparky Leslie opens her eyes. Back at home, uh, Mom is finally ripping Alex a new one for letting Kara become Supergirl, which, duh, isn't really her fault. And Alex leaves very hurt. And we get a flashback to Dr. and Dr. Danvers and Dean Kane in the house. Yeah. The girls are uh, sneaking out and Kara talks... Uh, Alex into flying with her. Back in the present, uh, Leslie has escaped and clearly has become some kind of zappy metahuman. A guy in the alley is getting all rapey with her, and Leslie presumably kills him, learning of her powers, and then she jumps into a street lamp as electricity. Pretty, pretty quick learning, pretty short learning curve from waking up, realizing you're a metahuman, then realizing you just travel on the wires and shit. So well done, Leslie. You nailed that shit quick. Yeah. It usually takes like years of Professor Xing to get <laughs> your powers to that level. <laughs> Crossing the stream. Sorry, Marvel. Friends giving dinner, and Alex is hitting the wine pretty hard. As you know, if anyone of us, any family dinner, wine is always a good thing and a bad thing. And she's kind of being sarcastic. Try, uh, Kara tries to get them in the spirit, but the awkward is strong, and she, you know, tries to play the old game. Um, you know, let's all go around and say what we're thankful for, which almost never ends well. <laughs> On TV, anyway. <laughs> yeah, she she tries to get him in the spirit, but uh, the awkward is strong in the room. Um, saved by the bell, James calls, which Wynn isn't real happy about. James is uh, just calling to check on his friend. Aw. Alex is getting drunker, and she spills the beans about the DEO, which makes Mom very mad. Poor Wynn is definitely wishing he was somewhere else. Yay, family dinners. Mom-daughter drama drama ensues. Kara defends Alex, but she has to leave when Kat calls. But I'm ching. (laughs) Flashback to the kids getting... There's another good pun in this one later. Flashback to the uh, kids getting caught, and Foster Dad lays down the law about no powers. Kara... And Alex basically gets blamed for it all. So we can see where her, her family issues are coming from. A knock on the door and uh, Danvers are nervous and they send the girls upstairs and it's Hank at the door and the scene ends. Kat is having uh, technical problems and Kara is trying to help, but we learn it's Livewire. And she's speaking through Kat's wall of video screens. And then she zaps in and, and shows up and attacks. Kat conveniently sends Kara to get Les- uh, security as Leslie zaps around trying to get a cat. So Supergirl comes back in the nick of time and takes a zap and fights back. Kara's heat vision actually recharges Livewire, apparently, and Kat is stuck in a falling elevator, but she's, of course, saved. Pert Happily, the news guy, is talking about the blackout. Uh, Hank Katko, pretending to be the FBI, uh, is telling us how Kara created Livewire, in case we didn't figure it out ourselves earlier. Thank you, exposition people. Kara opens up to the cat, up to the cat, about to cat. I cannot talk tonight. I apologize, audience. Wow. About the fictional death of her parents, and we see some genuine empathy on Kat's uh, face for maybe kind of the first time in the show. And we get some insight into her mommy issues as well. It's a very nice scene. These two are, like, always gold when they're in a scene together. I, yeah. I never, you know, as much other kind of exposition and personal stuff that I'd rather be replaced with superhero battles. I fully enjoy seeing, um, was it Melissa Benoist mm-hmm. and, um, 
pillars to Flockhart together. They they really have a great chemistry as actresses. Kat is seeing how she's responsible for Leslie's behavior. Um, Alex and Mom are working it out and talking mom-daughter drama, and it ends with a hug and mutual apologies. Mom says she has a secret, too, but doesn't get a chance to tell it yet. Hmm. Supergirl shows up to talk to Kat, who offers to be bait for Livewire. Hank and Alex are showing her a Ghostbusters-type trap to use, which she references Ghostbusters. Thank you, Supergirl. And Kat gets on her own radio station to draw Leslie out. The trap is set. Leslie shows up. Best line from Kat. Congratulations, you have the wit of a YouTube comment. When she, of course, says, there's more than one way to skin a... Yes, Kat. Congratulations, you have the wit of a YouTube comment. Great line. Kara shows up and the fight begins. Livewire is holding her own and uh, makes Electra whips and starts getting the better of Kara. She sees the trap and kicks it away and starts to kill Kara, but she rips uh, Kara rips a water main out of the street and short circuits her. Um, which maybe we could have figured that one out earlier. Uh, it would have been an easy resolution to the whole mess if <laughs> it's just like electric person water. You know, it's like yep. Pokemon. Kara brings brings Win apology leftovers for having to put up with her crazy family. He tells Kara about his father, who we learn more about later on in this series, and uh, tells her he is grateful for her and gives her a kiss on the cheek. Kara basically flees to go talk to James and Lucy, that poor friend-zoned bastard Win. <sighs> Feel for the man. Kat is trying to choose the tragedy headline of the day. Uh, but she thinks better of it and wants to do something more human interest in thanksgiving E, although she is still kind of grounded in this will get us great ratings, you know, so she's still bottom line. It's kind of her job. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kat tells uh, Kara she should get to know her better as a person. A little more reflective stuff going on with Kat. I said, great, you actually can chart the progression of Calista Flockhart's character, and that's always nice. Mom, Alex, and Kara are hugging goodbye, and she comes clean about her father's past, about their father's past. Flashback to the DEO telling the Danvers that they are taking Kara, but Jeremiah agrees to work for them, uh, work for the DEO if they leave her alone. As a sinister Hank shakes her his hand, Hank Henshaw, that is. Mom tells them that um, you know her, their dad uh, basically died working for Hank Henshaw, which neither of them knew at this point. The last scene is the DEO wrapping things up. Alex and Kara are biting their tongues as Hank's talking to them, but they agree that they need to find out what happened to Alex's dad. Dun, dun, dun. Foreshadowing. And, uh, yeah, very just straightforward Monster of the Week type stuff, but still tied in with the characters and... Yeah, it's, um, it's nice seeing, uh, the, the Livewire character have, um such a long life outside of uh, her original start in the Superman, the animated series from the, uh, the nineties. Um, and it's pretty much the same, <laughs> the same origin, just mm-hmm. swap out Clark and Kara, um, you know, shock jock, you know, doing her thing. Yeah. It's got direct ties into, you know, the extended family here with, uh, cat grant, but really is the same thing. And it's, uh, it's, I'm just, it's nice that they're using, you know, that character and they're doing plenty of, female villains and male villains and alien villains and supergirls and equal opportunity puncher which is which i like when you have such a rich back 
backlogged of stories. I mean, why would you make up, you know, an original character for this show? Just grab. Well, I mean, I, and I anything, have no problem you know? with that either. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things that you really can't do, with <laughs> Lex Luthor or um, Metallo or the Parasite. I mean, I guess or you could. Can you? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that you know you can pull deeper and use characters that maybe people don't know as well. Because at least it leaves it interesting. If you're Everybody knows Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, outside of people that are seriously ingrained in comic book culture, most people don't know Metallo. Most people don't know Brainiac. Most people don't know the Parasite. Most people, nobody knows Reactron. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so you might as well pull from the, the deepest parts of everything. And I mean, I think, don't we, we get put, uh, a gem sum of Son of Saturn later on in this, I think, too. It's like they're pulling, like, way deep. Yeah, for yeah. for stuff, Vartox like just, yeah. you, you might as well because it's a it's a whole new world for yeah, for most people that are watching it. They're pre written characters too that you've got access to. So why you know, I hire another writer just to have them doctor up what already exists. Oh yeah, yeah. They're all you know they're they're, they're classic Superman ish villains or Supergirl villains. You know they're just super threats and. You know, although the, the defeat on this one was a little too easy, in my opinion. It's it's, it's, hey, look, it's worked. It's worked <laughs> since Spider-Man dealt with Electro. In the yeah, sense. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just think that you know, someone would have thought to grab a bucket of water earlier on in the episode or something. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kara didn't have to get zapped half to hell. You know, before she heard the uh, water main be beneath her. I'm like, oh yeah, electricity, water, electricity, water. I remember that from science class. But um, other than, I mean, we had to have the requisite, you know, Thanksgiving episode too. So that was kind of nice and, and very funny. Poor Wynn being, you know, I, I have been, I've been in situations like that. I don't know about you, but you know, yes, invited exactly. to a dinner and and just <laughs> feel the inevitable tension. I, I I doubt that there's any family that has a perfect Thanksgiving dinner ever. I mean. I don't know. Some my bite my their... families have been relatively sane. That's the good. next girlfriend's Thanksgiving dinner, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I just, I don't know. I I just always think that there's going to be some kind of little in joke or passive aggressive comment made that you know a guest from the outside isn't going to you know is is going to hear <laughs> and like try to awkward awkwardly laugh at when he probably shouldn't and you know just it's like uh, I just would rather be anywhere <laughs> else in the universe. When it I've been to I've been to some awkward <laughs> friend I've been to some awkward friendsgivings. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I I went to, I went to one since this is apropos of the episode. Uh, my best friend's sister in law had has us over for friendsgiving every year, and I went to her new place. She was living in a um, new apartment. Invited us over. Went over there. I was I had a black hoodie on and black jeans and my my uh, combat boots on. You know, black is black is slimming. Um, <laughs> and this girl that was randomly there, I didn't know who she was. She was a friend of a friend of a friend. Random person, didn't know her from Adam. Um, she goes, why are you dressed in all black? Are you at a funeral? And I said, oh, because black is slimming, honey. And this girl looked me dead in the face and said, so is closing your fucking mouth. And it's like, <laughs> oh, boy. Like, you know, I, it takes a lot to piss me off. It's like, I don't even know you. I was trying to be funny and make a joke. Yeah. And you're coming at me with that? I'm just going to walk away. Yeah, as I'm about to sit down to the biggest meal I'm going to eat all year, and and now you've made me self-conscious about my weight. Thank you. Oh, I didn't give I didn't give a fuck about that. I was just <laughs> it was just one of those things. The balls to say that to someone that you don't even know that was clearly being self-deprecating. It's like yeah, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think at that point I would have been, I would have like turned up the the piggishness, you know, a hundred percent, and just just attacked that turkey. We were like, you know, take the whole thing over on my plate, and what's everyone else going to eat? <laughs> Made some <laughs> joke. Goes, yeah, yeah. So, uh, seconds and thirds, and better Keep get a bucket. Your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a total weird tangent there. Feel free to cut that. <laughs> Or at least bleep the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no no! Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I I love this episode too. It's the same thing. It's monster of the week, but you still it's we're, we're only four episodes in. You can't yeah. not every episode can have that overarching stuff going on. They throw in just enough each time. You can get a little bit more backstory with who Hank Henshaw is and what's going on with Jeremiah. Things that do play out further down the line, but mm-hmm. you can't drop it all at the same in one spot. And I actually like these because I'm just I'm not a fan of having the, the Kryptonian show in every episode either. You know, uh, oh, it's you know the overlying arc of the the season, but it's it's nice to have a break from yeah from evil and Astra and the crew as well. So uh, even though all these and this person, you know, we've now seen a couple people that didn't actually come from Fort Roz and stuff, which is good yeah. too that they're establishing other metahumans in with science. Metahumans too, you know, with uh, just villains. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, which is good because it could have fallen into a rut of just using the Fort Roz people, and you know, and you get into the argument. It's like, well, they got a million freaking prisoners in there, and well, they probably do. It was a big ship. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's good that they're establishing that uh, that there is other stuff going on. Obviously, if Superman's been kicking it for a while, and. and we know even more about, you know, what Superman's been up to in the, in the new season of Supergirls. You can't really plug that one enough. You haven't seen the first episode of the new season, and you are, like, an older school Superman if fan. If you were displeased by Man of Steel slash BVS Superman, do yourselves a flavor. Direct reference to Superman the movie. Uh <laughs> Let's uh, go and watch this uh, season premiere if you haven't even if you haven't caught it yet. It's well worth your time. Mm-hmm. Cat Grant has a, a stunning new assistant. We won't tell you her name. And uh, some nope. other, other stuff is talked about that may or may not have happened in the Donner Superman movies. And, uh, yeah, I was just, like, laughing with glee tonight, or last night watching that. I really was. It was almost embarrassing how much I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. And this, I, it's, yeah, it's a... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, they're going to have to go a long way to. I, I want that Superman on TV. I'll just fucking say it. How about that? Um, yeah, I do too. But it's uh, unless he gets his own show, we're going to only see him periodically. Yeah. That's okay too. It's my biggest fear is that I, I just think he could rock his own show too. But it's it's problematic, obviously, um, for the CW to probably do that. And I imagine WB movie division is gonna have some kind of tight reins on it but well they used to be seriously heavy-handed i mean when i mean they used to have this thing called the bat embargo like yeah you couldn't use the batman villains on anything and it was because they you know figured people were really stupid and a lot of people you know i get it some people think everything's always you know tied together i remember there were people that thought batman begins was the fifth batman movie it's like well yeah. it, it is a fifth batman movie just Starting over, um, but it's uh, they let him. The fact that they even let 
there be a fully fledged version of Superman does kind of bode well. I think with what's going on, I think Berlanti and Kreisberg have the juice to say we want to play with these characters, mm-hmm. and I don't think WBTV is going to say no. Batman is probably still off the table. Well, we have had Gotham City mentioned a couple times now in Bloodhaven. So yep, uh, but then again, you know, there's dueling flashes and yeah. dueling Superman now. So I mean, that you know. Who knows? You know, at some point, you can have Batman. You can have anybody show up. Who the hell knows? I just bring on Plastic Man and uh, whoever else you want to bring on. Blue Beetle, yeah. any version of Blue Beetle. Beetle, I don't care. Just you know, I know Smallville did it, but you know, it's, it, bring it on. Give me every character. I think. Let me uh, just do a review of the not a review, but I'll just read the synopsis of the next two that we're going to cover. Um. Episode 5 is going to be Kara must protect National City from a series of bombings and babysit Cat's son while James is visited by Lucy Lane. That tells us nothing. And uh, But I'm really looking forward to talking about uh, Red-Faced. Uh, stress makes Kara go too far during a training exercise against a military cyborg commissioned by General Sam Lane while Cat's mother comes to visit and Wynn helps Alex investigate her father's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that cyborg was was interesting to see show up so early in this show as well. Um, I won't tell you who it is, but someone you would probably recognize from DC Comics. It's not cyborg. It's not cyborg. Nope. Nope. It is a cyborg, but not the cyborg. I guess they would say. Yes. So um, I guess that's it. Uh, I am going to get this one out this week, so you'll be listening to this this week. And uh, coming up next week, we will be posting the Luke Cage roundtable that we just recorded. Very much looking forward to getting that up for you. Nice little three-hour discussion for you. (laughs) Put it on during your commute. Yeah. (laughs) Or Um, when you want to avoid family. But I think it's worth a listen. Had a lot of great guests for that and had a lot of fun. So Yes. not sure well said. Next week will be Luke Cage. This week is this. And we will get back to the other stuff eventually, too. And be doing more Supergirl. And just... What the hell am I doing editing all these shows? <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's Weekly Heroics for another one, kids. Thanks for joining us. And stay tuned in. My life has got humor. She's a giggle at the funeral. Because everybody's disapproved. Should have worshipped her sooner If the heavens ever did speak She's a loss to mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak Fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolute She tells me worship in the bedroom The only heaven I'll be sent to when I'm alone with you I was born sick But I love it Command me to be well yeah. Amen 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 Take me to church I'll worship like a dog
Of course you are. 